Praise God. <clears throat> want to welcome our online viewing audience today. We're so glad to have you. Best way to follow along is in the YouVersion Bible app. Go to the events section, click on Linked Up Church. Today's outline is right there in that YouVersion Bible app. All of the points, you can take notes, add your notes to that outline. Well, tomorrow, November the 11th, is Veterans Day. Veterans Day is a federal holiday, praise God, in the United States. It's observed annually on November the 11th, and it honors military veterans. That is, persons who have served in the United States Armed Forces and were discharged under conditions other than dishonorable. At the end of this service today, we'll have all of our veterans stand up, and we've got a presentation that we want to make to you, and then we have a reception that we're holding in your honor today. I just want to say that we respect you, we honor you, we appreciate you, and we're so thankful for your service to our country. The reason I get to stand up here today is because of the sacrifices that you were willing to make, and I am forever and eternally grateful for that. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be a good soldier. I mean, we are all, if you're born again, in the army of the Lord. And we're going to talk about what it means today to be a good soldier. One day our lives will all be over. Should the Lord tarry, then we all have to go the way of the earth. Only way that we won't go the way of the earth is uh, he comes back and raptures us. We're caught up in the air to forever be with the Lord. One day, every person in this room or whoever's watching online will be just a memory. When you leave this world, what kind of legacy will you leave behind? When people remember the kind of person you were, will they remember you as a soldier of the cross? So as Paul neared the end of his life, he languished in a Roman prison, and from that cell, he took steps to ensure that he would be remembered as a good soldier of the cross. How did he do that? He wrote to Timothy, and he gave young Timothy the secret to becoming a good soldier. I mean, or the same letter that he wrote to Timothy applies to all of us. So this text will encourage us and challenge us to become the best soldiers than, that we can be in the army of the Lord. So let's look at together, and it won't take me long today. Let's look at five qualities of a good soldier. Number one, a good soldier is a good follower. How I many know you can't be a good leader until you learn how to be a good follower? All good followers have to learn how to follow instructions. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, You therefore, my son, speaking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That word strong means be empowered, young Timothy, but notice what he tells him to be strong in. He says, be strong in the charis or the grace. That grace there means God's graciousness, his favor, his benevolence. What he's telling him here is, Timothy, don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on your own ability. Rely on the ability that is in Christ Jesus and let him work through you. So he said, be strong in the grace that is in 
Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful or trustworthy men and women who will be able to teach others. You therefore must endure hardship. The word endure hardship means to endure afflictions and undergo hardships. Folks, that is not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ if you think you're going to get saved and it is going to be rosy for the rest of your life. Folks, when we enlisted in this army, we enlisted to undergo hardships and tests and trials. But I've got good news for you today. We come out of all of them victorious. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. A thousand can fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You may be going under right now, but I'm telling you, if you'll stay under, you will come out on top on the other side. He tells Timothy to learn how to endure hardships, undergo hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The word soldier means warrior. Whether you realize it or not, you are a warrior for God. God saved you because he knew he could trust you to maintain the victory that Christ already provided for you. Folks, you are not a loser. You are a winner. You are not going down. You are going over. I don't care what life looks like right now. If you will realize what he made you, you have more than what's required to win at what's in front of you. I wish I had some people in this room that believe that today. You are a warrior for Jesus Christ. So there's several things here in your outline, letter A, this implies joining. I mean, you can't be in an army unless you enlist. You can't be saved unless you enlist in this army. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, For by grace, same word, careers there, his favor, his benevolence, his kindness, his graciousness, have you been saved, so sold. You have been delivered through faith. And so there's always this argument out here of which one is greater, faith or grace. Folks, they're both the same. Then there's this secondary argument where which one came first, grace or faith? Grace came first. If it was not for his death, burial, and resurrection, we wouldn't have anything to connect our faith to. How many know if faith came first, then you'll make it all about what you did instead of what he did? And you'll be depending on your efforts and your works. It's got to be what he did and our response to it. It's what it says here, and the rest of the text bears me out. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. How many know with a gift, the only thing you can do is receive it and say thank you? You don't have to work for it. Verse 9 says, not of works, efforts, toil, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship. We are the potter and he is the clay. Created in Christ Jesus, notice, for good works. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you were born again anew. Old things are passed away, the fresh and the new has come. And what God created you new for is to do good works that will bring his kingdom glory. There are some good works that he prearranged and he preordained for you. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them or live in them. So notice, once we join and once we enlist in this army, there is some good works out in front of us. All we've got to do is follow instructions and follow the orders, and you will find that everything that his grace has already provided for you, you will pick it up on your journey in life. You will pick up victory. You will pick up healing. You will pick up prosperity. You will pick up deliverance. You will pick up every good and perfect gift that your father has already provided as you follow those instructions. You will pick up a spouse. You will pick up a family. You will pick up a career. You will pick up a business. Folks, when you follow the instructions of the commander-in-chief, you cannot fail in this life. Man, I wish somebody in here understood this and knew this. And there's some good works. Somebody say good works. If it came from God, then it is good. Maybe things aren't going good in your life right now, but I'm telling you, if you are a born-again child of God, all things will work together, the good and the bad. It will work together for your good because you love God and you're called according to his purpose. You might be in a bad situation right now, but if you'll just hang on, remain under, give God the glory, learn how to praise God, you will come out victorious on the the other side. I need somebody to believe that on today, folks. We are not a weak group of people. We are a strong army of the Lord, and we are ready for battle. This implies rank, letter B. It implies rank. There is always someone higher than you. I want to warn you about being around people who have an attitude that I don't listen to nobody and I don't take orders from anybody. We all need to be under somebody, right? So this implies rank. This is true in the Lord's army. Every child of God is under Jesus and is responsible for following him and his will for their lives. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and let's look at verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. I want to speak to single ladies that are in this room right now. You never want to fall in love with a guy that Jesus Christ is not his head. Because where is he leading you? Where is he taking you, right? If he doesn't have anyone over him and someone that he's honoring and obedient to, then where is that going to lead you? I don't care what they tell you. I don't care what it sounds like. If they are not submitted to the will, plan, and purpose of God for their lives, you are not in the best situation for your life. If they will not do it for God and for Christ, what makes you think that they will do it for you? Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen in this room right now. You must understand that lesson in life. They must love God more than they love you. The head of every man is Christ. It's easy to follow him as he follows Christ. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man in marriage. I want to speak to single women again because you're out here acting like you're married and you're not. You owe 
no one nothing that you are not married to. When you are single, you stay under the authority of the Lord even while you're dating. And if they try to take you away from him, you need to be away from them. All right, I'm not getting a lot of amens in here today. I wish somebody would help me in here. It's something called order. But in a marriage, I mean, oh, as long as he's following Christ, she needs to stay under that authority. Now, let me be clear on that. My wife is smarter than me in nine out of ten categories. Maybe ten out of ten. But guess what? It does not change that order. And as a man, I will never give up that order. Uh, do I have any other men in this building today? Right? She knows my position on that. You can present, you can give me ideas. I must make the final decision. I tell her all the time, I can live with making a mistake as long as I believe it came from my heart. It's hard for me to look myself in the mirror and I made a mistake not leading. I'd rather die before I give up my manhood. Do I have any other men in this room today? Before I tell her to go out there and work and do all of this and do all that, we won't make it if you don't. I'd rather work two to three jobs before I tell her to do my job. There must be order. I mean, no children need to stay under their parents. And I'm not in youth service. I'm talking to grown parents. I don't care how old you are. They are still your parents. And they still deserve the respect and the honor, whether you agree with them or you don't agree with them. The reason you are in this earth today is because of your parents. And if for nothing else, you can respect them and honor them for giving you life. You des they deserve the respect and honor as your parents all the days of their life. I need a better amen in Linked Up Church today. So the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man in marriage, and the head of Christ is God. Notice everyone is under somebody. And as long as we stay in that order, how many know everything will work out all right? Right? And so if you're a single female in here, you can even be a single female that's a mother, then you stay under Christ. And Christ and God promised that they would be a father to the fatherless. You just keep obeying the father and you keep obeying Christ and they'll more than make up what's different until the proper covering comes. But don't compromise and accept something that you know he didn't send you out of convenience. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen in here. All right? Stay under. Stay under. Somebody say stay under. This implies rule. See, letter C. To refuse to follow orders is treason. In the Lord's army, we have the obligation of obeying his orders even unto death. And how many know the call of Christ is no different? We have a responsibility to obey the orders of our commander-in-chief. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny. That word deny means to disown and give up his own rights himself.
take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the person who says that I don't understand all of it, but I obey it. My flesh is wanting to have sex, and I am not married. But the commander-in-chief said to flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without his body. What know ye that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. Even though, God, I want to have sex, the commander-in-chief has told me to flee fornication. So I disown my rights and my ability to go out there and do what I want to do. I lay this flesh on the altar, and I say I will preserve this until I get married. One of the greatest gifts you can give the person that you want to marry today is a body that has not been used and abused. But don't get in any condemnation out there. You can rededicate your body to the Lord. Come on, somebody. And God can purify you. He can sanctify you. He can set you apart. I know that firsthand. I did not get saved until I was 22 years old. I had a lot of life happen before the age of 22, but I rededicated and I repurposed my body at the age of 22. The next time I slept with someone was my wife on our, on my 30th, when I was 30 years old on our wedding day. So I want to encourage people in here. God can give you your spiritual virginity back. He can erase the memory of your past. Come on, he can detox your soul from all of those bad relationships. I know this to be true because the moment, the day that I married my wife, I mean, I went in there like I was a warrior, but in reality, I came out like a wimp. I wanted it to last longer than what it did. I knew he gave me my virginity back, but it didn't last longer than two to three minutes, and it was over. Matter of fact, I don't even know if it lasted that long. I think I, I, think I just looked at her, and it was like, and all I remember saying is, just hold me, let's cuddle, I'll be back, just give me a few minutes, let's take a nap, I'll be back. How many of y'all know after 22 years of marriage, I'm glad I'm not the man that I used to be? Come on, we've grown and developed a little bit since then. But I can tell you on that wedding night, it was like the first time ever. Matter of fact, it was, it was like so fresh and so new, I think even the second time around, it might have been three minutes and 15 seconds. Well, I went a little longer, but it was, it was still, I'm talking about marriage now. We're all grown folks in here, right? All I'm saying is when the commander-in-chief gives orders, right, when he says do not commit adultery, that settles it. Listen, now after that moment, the greatest gift I can give her is not a, a new ring, not a bigger house, not better cars. The greatest gift I can give her is the gift of faithfulness. Because the, camp, because the commander in chief said, do not commit adultery. Folks, you must have convictions that are greater than yourself. If you have not found something to live for and you have not found something to die for, then you are neutral and you are lukewarm. 
you've got to have areas of your life that are off limits where you say I'd rather die before I did something like that so C implies rule number two a good soldier is faithful how many of y'all glad you came to church today Number two, a good soldier is faithful. 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Why? So that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Letter A, endure hardship and does not quit. The good soldier realizes that there will be troubles along the way and is not deterred by them. How many know a good soldier will stand and keep on standing until there's nothing left to do but stand? Because he's faithful and he's trustworthy. She's faithful, she's trustworthy. Let her be, because they seek to please their commander. The good soldier has no higher goal than pleasing his or her superior. The good soldier knows that anything that interferes with this performance must be eliminated. The good soldier wants to please his superior or her superior and does whatever he or she has to do to get the job done. Pleasing Jesus should be the first priority of every child of God. You must stop living to please people. You can never please all of the people all of the time, and I don't care how hard you try. You will never be cute enough. You'll never be pretty enough. Your hair will never be long enough. Your outfit will never be nice enough. You'll never be smart enough. You'll never be intelligent enough. You'll never be qualified enough. Soon as you become qualified at that level, you're still not qualified for the next level. Folks, you've got to learn how to block out all of that outward noise and say that I am doing what I do to please God and if what I do if it pleases God and it does not please people I can live with that for the rest of my life because people are one way today and they will change on you like the wind they will tell you how great you are today how awesome you are today and have nothing to do with you tomorrow you've got to learn how to let compliments roll off of your back you've got to learn how to let when they're talking about you roll off of your back and stay right in the middle of the road and say that if my ways please God then that's all that matters to me because if your ways please God then he'll make your enemies to be at peace with you they might not like you but they must be at peace with you because your ways please God I pray that you will make a decision today to never do anything in your life for the benefit and the pleasure of other people do everything you do for God and if that pleases people, praise God. But guess what? If it doesn't, praise God. Let her see. He guards the truth of the faith here. We're talking about faithful. The good soldier takes care of the things delivered unto him. He is determined to do a good job. He refuses to do anything that will bring disgrace and dishonor upon his or her superior which means we think about what we do when we're away from church because other people are watching us. Other people are making decisions about God based off of how we live our lives. 
Other people are trying to determine whether or not they want to enlist in this army based off of what they see you do and how is it working for you and is God blessing your life and are you obedient? People are making daily decisions, not off of coming to church, but they're making daily decisions off of the people that they know attend church whether or not they want to enlist, enlist in that same army. Make sure that you do anything, that you don't do anything that will bring disgrace and dishonor upon your superior. Number three, this person, the good soldier, knows the commander's voice. And I want you to listen very carefully right here. So many people out here are following voices. Following voices will get you in trouble. Listen very carefully, okay? This is an important nugget here you're going to be a good soldier in the army of the Lord. John chapter 10 verse 1. A good soldier knows his commander's voice. Just in the natural. You know, I've been married to my wife. We've been together 25 and a half years. We'll be married 22 years on November the 29th. I met her when she was 24 years old. Right? She's 50 now. So I'm going to tell her father the next time I see him that means I've raised her longer than you have. Now look at all the ladies like, he only saying that because she's not in the room right now. <laughs> Here's the reality. We've been raising and training each other. Right? We're both well trained in this marriage. She's trained me and I've trained her. I just want to have some fun with her father. <laughs> she's been in my house longer than she was in your house. Sit down somewhere. I'm just kidding. I mean, I got to respect her father. But here's my point. If you turn the lights out in this room, right, there's one voice that I will recognize over every other voice in this room because I've lived with it for 22 years, and that is my wife's voice. You can, send, you can send 100 people up to me to talk to me, and the moment I hear her voice, I will know who's my wife. Let me tell you why. Because I spend time with that voice every single day. We commune every single day. We fellowship every single day. We talk every single day. I'm very familiar with her voice because I spend time with it. A lot of people are listening to voices, but they spend no time with the voice of the Word of God. You need to spend time listening to yourself read the Word of God so that the Spirit can bring back recall. The Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will bring back all things to your remembrance. Watch this, whatever he said to you. But if I don't spend time in the Word, I mean, I don't need to, I shouldn't be listening to voices. Listen, you're not spending time in the Word on Sunday. You're listening to a sermon that I spent time with. It's not yours until you go home and spend time with it. Which, watch this, 99% of the people never do. They just come to a building and leave. And then they say it doesn't work. Well, think about that in the natural. If you went to the doctor and they prescribed you some medicine and you never took it, you would think that was insanity to go back to that doctor and say the medicine didn't work. And the doctor said, well, did you take it? No. Yet we come in and out of a building and we never ever take the medicine. Good. 
I'm telling you, don't trust the voices. The Lord told me. Ah. I heard a lot of people, you know, God blessed me with this car. And then why did it get repossessed? That doesn't make sense to me. God blessed me with this house. Now it's in foreclosure. Doesn't make sense to me. Look at this man that God brought into my life. Where is he at now? Lights are in my eyes again. Everybody still here today? Feel like we're making the devil mad. Can we just give God a real good praise in this place today? Right? So watch this. What turns the world off is they listen to us talk about all this stuff that the Lord told us that didn't work. John chapter 10 verse 1 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, we're talking about the door of natural birth here. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door of natural birth, I'll prove that in a moment, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Scripture is referring to Satan here. How many know he got into the earth illegally? If you read Ezekiel chapter 14, the moment he began to say, I will be like the Most High, I will overthrow his kingdom, how I many you know he got kicked out of heaven? Jesus said, I behold Satan fall like lightning, and he hit the earth. That's how he got here. He's here illegally. Let's keep reading here. But he who enters by the door of natural birth, how I many you know Jesus came through the womb of Mary? So he who enters by the door of natural birth is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, watch this, and he leads them out. See, the thief and the robber will always push you make you anxious, make you feel like you got to do it right now, like a good salesman, right? They got their four other offers on this. If you leave today, it won't be here when you come back. I mean, that's when you need to leave. If you don't learn the art of walking away from every deal, because if it's for you, it'll be there when you return. Go home and think about it. Pray over it. I got four other applications on this. Well, they'll be there tomorrow too, won't they? Or God's got something better for me. Learn that, okay? Satan is always pushing. Notice the good shepherd is out in front leading. See the difference? Watch this. Calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So there are two things I want to draw your attention to. One of the ways to get familiar with the Lord's voice is to spend more time listening to it. You should spend at least 15 to 30 minutes every single day in daily devotion before God in the Word of God. 
How many know that's going to train you to the voice of God through the Word of God? Right? Then you want to marry that with 15 to 30 minutes of praying in English and praying in other tongues. Because 1 John says that the Word and the Spirit always agree. So the Word will never tell you anything that the Spirit does not confirm, and the Spirit won't lead you to do anything that the Word does not confirm. So you should always take what you believe you're hearing or being led to do and compare that to the Word of God and let the Word of God be the final authority on all of these voices that you hear. And the Spirit of God won't lead you to do anything that the Word of God won't confirm, and the Word of God won't instruct you to do anything that the Holy Spirit won't confirm. Those two will always agree. Some of us are out here just doing everything that we want to do and we're putting God on that, right? Notice the scripture says now the, a voice of a stranger they will not follow. Well, how do you know the voice of a stranger? It's contrary. It's always telling you to do something the opposite of God. It's okay to sleep with them before we get married. Nobody's doing that kind of stuff anymore. I'm not harming anybody. All we're doing is just sleeping together. How I many you know that's the voice of a stranger? The voice of a stranger will tell you it's okay to live with somebody that you're not married to because it's more convenient. We can save money. How I many you know that's the voice of a stranger? You don't realize you're being set up for a trap. Nobody's saying amen, but I'm still going to keep telling the truth right now. It's all the voice of a stranger. And you can't tell the difference because you don't spend enough time with the right voice. The voice of a stranger will always tell you not to tithe. Don't give your money. That's the voice of a stranger because he's trying to keep you in poverty and keep you broke and keep your life all busted up. Come on, somebody. The voice of a stranger will tell you that your spouse is all is that and that and they don't da-da-da and such and such is far better. That's the voice of a stranger. Everybody thinks the grass is greener on the other side until they get over there and start digging around in it and realize it's got grub worms in it. Come on. It's been spray painted. That ain't even the real color of it. Come on, somebody. See, they don't understand. They don't understand. See, by doing this, you learn how to use your weapons that work against your enemy. I mean, prayer is one of the greatest weapons that you could have against your enemy. Scripture says, put on the whole armor of God, right? That you can stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, right? All of that is prayer army that he's talking about putting on, right? So every time I get in the word of God and I spend time in prayer, I'm using the tools that God gave me to defeat my enemy. I don't know any good soldier that goes out to war and he is not very acquainted with his weapon. Prayerfully, he spends time with that weapon. She spends time with that weapon. They clean that weapon they go to the range and practice with that weapon so that when it is time for battle they are not trying to get ready in the middle of the battle they are already prepared before the battle so that their natural instincts can kick in I mean the last thing you want to do is try to run and go get your gun and you're in a battle But they also learn the tactics of their enemy. How I many know a good soldier studies the strategies of their enemy? Right? The Bible tells us to be not ignorant of Satan's devices. Because he goes, right? He's looking for who he can devour. 
How many know we need to become the ones that he cannot devour? So I got to recognize that anytime my wife get into something, I got to recognize, okay, the enemy is involved in this. That's a tactic of the enemy. I don't fight my wife. I fight with my wife. So let me get Satan out of here. Let's me and you get together, baby, and let's the two of us deal with him together. Not a, don't let him turn us against each other. Come on, preaching better than anybody saying amen. Right? You got to know the strategies of your enemy. Right? Anytime I'm not giving, the enemy is trying to make me broke. He's trying to destroy my life. I got to know his, 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 his tactics. You know, as soon as stuff go wrong, the enemy tell you, you don't need to go to church no more. As soon as it gets financially tight, he tell you don't give no more. The last thing I would ever do is take giving out of the equation if I'm in financial trouble. You can't tell you, I can't tell you over the years how many people have said that to me. I won't be able to give because I'm in a tight situation right now. Well, it's getting ready to get tighter. And they think they're being spiritually mature when they're saying that. Sometimes it's better to say nothing because we locate you by your words. I can remember one time I was a member of a church and, and like 60% of the staff did not give. What the, what is that? Watch this now. But this is what we preach. Right? And then the very people that we preach it to are the reason we got the opportunity that we have. And we don't do the exact thing that we're instructing them to do. What kind of sense does that make? I mean, that's a tactic of the enemy. When you think what you're delivering is for the people and it's not for you. How I many know the husbandman must be first partaker of the fruit? I can't serve you nothing that I don't first eat myself. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and close this out. You all getting anything out of this today? Right? How many of y'all want to be a good soldier in this army right here, right? Got to be smart about this. Listen, coming, in, coming to church is just one aspect of this. If you're not living this every single day, you're not winning. It's not a Sunday battle. It's a daily battle. All right? Now, I'm going to get these last two in really quickly. Number four, he's a fighter. Notice what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, chapter 4, verse 7, the A portion of that. He said, I have fought a good fight. I'm telling you, I, I've been in fights my whole life growing up in Detroit, Michigan. I only say it's a good fight when I win. <laughs> I never said that was a good fight, and I lost, <laughs> right or wrong. So this is what he's telling you, folks. Every fight you get in, you will come out victorious on the other, line, uh, other side. As long as you don't do something. Let me read it for you. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 24, and let's look at verse 10. So the good soldier does not retreat in the face of the enemy. He does not run from a fight. He stands his ground and fights until the battle is over. In the natural, you know what I learned as a kid? Anytime I stayed and just faced my enemy, I actually walked away in better shape. Every time I ran, that didn't end up too good. So over time, I learned, you know what, I'm in it now. Just turn around and face up and just go. Just start going, <laughs> right or wrong. 
it's a true story in the natural. I came out of those, you come out of those kind of situations far better, right? There's a few of those you came out with respect. Even though a lot of stuff happened, they, they still at the end was like, because you stayed in there and fought. And then I noticed after a while, they don't want to bother you no more. Because that's too much work. So you want to get to the place where the enemy look at you and he say, you know what, I don't feel like dealing with Jerome today. Because the last time Jerome made this a 24-hour party and he still didn't quit. You understand? Got to be this way. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. It says, if you faint, that word faint means to quit. If you faint in the day of adversity, watch this. Your strength is what? That word adversity means trouble. Right? If you quit when trouble comes, it's because your strength is, fall, is small. Folks, I want to tell you something. Everybody has what's called a day of trouble in their life. But you've got to understand he's also giving you the tools and the equipment to overcome that day of trouble. Some of them are right here in this verse. He says, if you faint in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is small. Well, where do we get strength from? The scripture says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Folks, I am happy to be saved. The best thing I could have ever done is to give my life to the Lord. You should wake up every day and hell should start trembling because, oh, my God, they are up again. As soon as your feet hit the ground, you ought to learn your battle cry. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And the moment you choose joy, how I many you know your strength meter just rises up? Come on, let's take three seconds to choose joy right now. Come on, open up your mouth. Come on, put a smile on your face and watch your strength follow that. Right? Choose joy every single day of your life. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on whether things are going well in your life. It is a fruit of the Spirit that you can tap into every single day of your life. And the reason you can have joy is because you know that the Lord is on your side. What can man do unto me? You know that no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. You know that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You know that you are only going through because God is for you and he is not against you and you will win the battle that is out in front of you. Choose joy every single day of your life. Let it never be said to you about you as a born-again child of God that you let something steal your joy. Don't let him steal your joy. Don't let her steal your joy. Don't let it steal your joy. Don't let nothing steal your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, think about that for a moment. Then where do I get joy from? Where do I get joy from? The scripture says, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. How do I get in the presence of the Lord? I lift my hands up. 
I worship God. I praise God. I spend time in the Word of God. I spend time in prayer. Then His presence comes in and fills me with joy. And then once my joy meter is up, now I'm strong and I'm ready for the battle that is out in front of me. Now I wake up looking for my enemy. I wake up looking for a good fight. I wake up telling the devil, if it's a fight you want, then it is a fight that you have. Bring it right now. Bring it today. Bring it later on today. Whenever you want to bring it, I am ready for battle, and you will not win. You are a defeated foe. You are under my feet, and I give you no place in my life. I need five believers in here to give God the best praise that you can give him. Hallelujah! Folks, we act too wimpy. We act too scared. We act too soft. I don't want people to know that I'm a Christian. I don't want people to see me praise God. I don't want me people to see. Man, forget all of that. I want everybody to know that the Lord is on my side. I want you to know why I do what I do. I want you to know that I am a soldier in the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm not running from that. I'm not hiding from that. I'm saved, and I'm glad about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number five, and we're done. You must be a finisher. You must be a finisher. So many people start well. They don't finish well. A lot of people started this journey with us. They didn't finish this journey. Right? Everybody's seen a good sports game, right? Right? Good football game where the guy runs a great route, beats the cornerback, beats the safety, gets behind the safety, ball like, like bread in a basket and drops it. I mean, we get all excited, but then we get let down because he didn't finish it. Right? We see a guy. I mean, he set him up. Nice move. Set him up, crossing back over, bam, back over, going up, getting ready to just man, miss the dunk. Great move, but what do we end up saying? He didn't finish. Kind of like Alabama yesterday. They, they kind of like Alabama yesterday. Uh-oh, I messed up right there, didn't I? See, because Georgia finished yesterday. They finished yesterday, but I'm going to leave that alone. Because I don't want you to, I don't want to lose the service right now. Focus. Get back in the spirit. Right? How many of y'all know we want to be finishers? Notice what Paul said here. He said, I have fought the good fight. Notice what he said. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who loved his appearance. Appearance. I remember I was a chaplain for the Super Bowl in Detroit, Michigan a couple of years ago, Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, Heinz Ward, Troy Palomalo, all these guys are in the room. Many of them gave their lives to Christ. And I remember just by the Spirit of God, Lord led me to prophesy to them and tell them that they were going to win the Super Bowl today. But then he told me to remind them that when they leave this earth, that ring won't go with them. And so, you know, Scripture talks about what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world 
but loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I said that ring can make you a lot of different ways. You can use that to take advantage of people, or you can use that to serve people. But at the end of the day, we all will have to stand before the commander-in-chief one day. And the only thing I want my commander-in-chief to be able to say to me is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And I told those men, don't get that ring and lose your crown. Let's all stand to our feet. And all of us will have that moment. All of us will have that day where we will have to stand before the commander-in-chief. And will the commander-in-chief say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Or will we have allowed ourselves to be entangled into the affairs of this life and we stop pleasing the one that chose us and enlisted us to be a soldier in his army? I pray that your story will be that ending one or that first one where the Father says that to you. But I want everybody to look at me for a moment. I want to give you an opportunity to get that right today. I want to give you an opportunity to enlist in the greatest army ever known to man and that is the army of the Lord Jesus Christ and become a soldier